0: Hello and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today's topic is, you should have fixed your hair. And your hosts are Stacey Gordon, Lisa Gates, and Thiele Thatch. And this is a topic that at first might seem trite or insignificant and somewhat obvious, or that maybe it doesn't apply to you. But we're going to dig a little deeper. And since we always relate our topics to career development and advancement opportunities, you're probably wondering why we're talking about this. But I wrote a Forbes article many years ago and this topic is still very relevant today. And so Thiele is going to talk about the new legislation that actually addresses why you should fix your hair.
1: Hey, Stacey. I'm so excited that we're talking about this topic today about hair. It's been something that has pretty much plagued me my entire career, waking up every day wondering how will I wear my hair today and how should I look at during this meeting or that meeting or this interview. And just recently, this Monday, Senate Bill 188, thanks to Senator Holly Mitchell, passed uh, unanimously 37 to 0. And believe it or not, the Senate bill was to make sure that states did not discriminate against people who went uh, based on their hair texture and protective hairstyles. So SB 188 updates the state's anti-discrimination law so that the definition of race also includes traits historically associated with race, which are the way we style our hair. So think of cornrows, uh, dreadlocks, afros, all of the different styles uh, that Women, not just black women, but people of color may wear in their hair, and sometimes white women, too, <laughs> wear braids and jeans. Um And this act is called the CROWN Act, C-R-O-W-N, which, is, which stands for a creative, respectful, and open workplace for natural hair. So hopefully we're going to talk today a lot about natural hair, what that means, what protective hairstyle means hairstyle means and also how it's affected me personally and and other people when we can't show up like ourselves because we don't feel included because we're feeling like we're being discriminated against or being discriminated against because of the way we wear our hair right and being told that we should have or should have changed our hair so um, one thing I want to mention before we go on too far is one think one reason this bill was passed is one of the many reasons um, if you do a google search on unprofessional hairstyles what do you think appears on that google search brave probably some black normal, women <laughs> right and black women with natural hair so right. that's you know this bill along with other bills one that was passed in New York too very similar all passed just this year just recently we're having to protect black women and well it's women about
0: time because yes, if you look at about lawsuits from back I mean, years ago I think it was FedEx was sued back in 2001 we're in 2019 so this you know this has been going on for years this is not anything new and I think also before we get too far down this path yeah you know what the, the majority of people who are targeted um for discrimination uh, against hairstyles or black women and black men. However, there are, um, you know, we were talking about this and, and and Lisa, Lisa is a white woman, right? I'm a black right. woman, Thiele's a black woman. Lisa's a white woman. And her first thought was, was what, Lisa?
2: <laughs> well, this has nothing to do with me. You know, I, I've, I, I've, I've never had this issue, but, but i but I had to really dig and find. Well, yeah, I have the same preoccupation, but it's, it's nowhere near uh, kind of the the drama or or, or um, reach that that you know black women have. I, I, I just didn't see how it related to me.
0: Right, but this is the thing. So, working as a recruiter for many years, I had a woman say to me one time. She said, uh, "We will, you know, it was a, a role. I think it was for administrative assistance, right?" And she said, "Oh, make sure when you send the girls, right?" She said, "Make sure that they all wear their hair in a bun." <sighs> and I said, "Well, why?" Right? Because I was just, I'm like, I've never had anyone tell me how to tell people how to wear their hair before, right? And she said, Oh, well, because the CEO will be interviewing them and he gets distracted by women who are sitting there twirling their hair around their finger.
2: (sighs) Okay, good to know.
0: (laughs) Right? I'm like, Oh, okay. So I need to tell them all to wear their hair up because he's what?
1: I like. (laughs) And that also implies that your hair is long enough. Your hair is long enough to be in a bun. So, Lisa, I would also say, you know, even though you may not, you're trying to be natural, trying to be yourself as a white woman. A lot of times, white women are discriminated against because they have short hair.
0: Right. And
1: they want someone who has long hair. So, what if your hair couldn't fit in a bun? What happens if it's a curly hair?
0: Right. And it's the curly hair versus the straight hair. So back when I wrote that article about, you know, natural hair affecting your chances of getting a job. Right. I think that was like 2013. And I was telling somebody about this article and um, oh, I was say blog post. Right. And it was a group of white women and they all said, oh, yeah, I totally get it. And my first thought was to snap back and roll my eyes and go, what do you mean you get it? But then they just kept going and they started talking about all the times that they have been discriminated against because they had curly hair instead of straight hair.
2: Uh, Well, in my case, uh, for most of my life, I've had (laughs) short hair. And and the number, because I'm, okay, so you can't see me, but I am, you know, tall. I am large. I have always been sort of, you know, a big human being, right? And so when I have my hair short, there's the assumption that I'm gay or that I, whatever. There, there's, there's that piece of it that goes into, oh, she's got her hair spiked up and short, and so she must be this and she must be that. Or she must feel this or believe this or be this kind of person. Right. When none of that is really true. And it's not to assail or blame being blamed, you know, uh, gay, cult. it's just so weird. It's just weird. Well, right, it's, it's people make assumptions about
0: how who you are, right, and what you might believe based upon how you wear your hair, how you're dressed, whether or not you wear tattoos, whether or not you're short or tall. Right? This is the whole thing about bias, right? So today we're talking about one single aspect of bias and that's just your hair. <laughs> You don't think in the morning when you get dressed, like, how might I have to wear my hair in order to, to get the job? But that's the piece I think that, you know what, we do. We do have those conversations. I look in the mirror and say, you know, I can't count the number of times I've looked in the mirror and said, this hairstyle is not going to get me that job. I need to put my hair up in a bun because I'm going into a banking environment and I need to look stern and severe and put on a black suit, right? Or I'm going into a Facebook kind of environment where maybe I can wear my hair down and I can put on a T-shirt and jeans, like you have to know the culture that you are are going into and your hair very much plays um, a role in the picture that you're Mm -hmm. trying to paint.
2: (laughs) How often often in your career have you said, um, I'm going to point myself toward this job. I'm I'm, going to apply for this role because it looks like I can be myself.
0: Mm. That is a really good question. How many times have you actually looked at a job and said, "I feel like I would fit in here and I could be myself"? <sighs> uh, I feel oh my like God.
1: that's why I. I feel like that's why I've leaned towards the entertainment industry, thinking that I could go work for you know, an entertainment and be myself because you're you know, they're more artsy. Um, more creative and understanding, but I, you know, I started to learn as I moved up in the entertainment industry that the biases can be even stronger because of, you know, the the image that a lot of, you know, that we have are reflected through the entertainment industry. So at the lower level, okay. you can't, you can show up and be artsy and creative.
2: Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, the, the, it, 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 the parallel to that might also be, you know, the wrestler Andrew Johnson, who, you know, so here's a very public, well, maybe public figure, who uh, very publicly, ceremoniously had his dreads chopped off in the middle of a match so he could compete, well, right. He wasn't a public figure, but that act made him a public figure. Right. Yeah. And
0: he that happened because, you know, um, there is, you know, everyone said, oh, well, there's a dress code and he should have known. And so he should have been wearing the right headgear. And so just to put the right spin on this, you know, so people we'll understand they had changed the rules. And so he had headgear, but he didn't have the right headgear because they had just changed the um Whatever the, the guidelines were, and he had the old headgear, which still wasn't sufficient. so that is why he either had to cut his dreads or forfeit the match. And I would think in that instance, they should have made a, you know a, a, um, an exception. let him wear the old headgear or whatever. But for him to have to be put in a position to where he has to change a part of who he is in order for his like he, would ha- he had the whole team writing on whether or not he accepted to you know to cut his hair and it's like he shouldn't have been put in that position he's a child there were adults who should have figured that out and fixed it before it got to him that
2: was not that's, his decision it is so do. depressing <laughs> it, it's so depressing you think about that, that is going to be a moment in that man's life that that's a story he's going to tell until he's he kicks the bucket.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think about all the times as black women, and I'm speaking for myself, that I've been humiliated because someone draws attention to my hair, or they want to touch my hair, or they have questions about my hair. And it's just, you know, any time the focus is on you and feeling like you're in some way different, and that people are pulling you out and saying, oh, well, let's stop everything and look at your hair. Right. It can be extremely embarrassing and humiliating. And so I think that, to me, his story, I, I can relate to his story so much. I mean, not that anyone has ever cut my hair, but I've been made to feel shame, you
0: know, about my but, hair. And there are kids, though. So, you know, and again, it's like you have to protect the, the children, right? Like, that really pisses me off. That there are stories of young girls who have had their hair cut in class <clears throat> as a punishment or who've had their hair, you know, messed with or whatever by some teacher who was using that as a power play. And that's the kind of thing that is just so reprehensible and so disgusting and I know we're a little bit off track. But since we're, we have this platform, I just want to say that these are the kinds of things, this is what happens, though, when you take what happens in the workplace and you don't nip it in the bud and you don't protect people and you don't give people rights, then everyone just thinks, oh, well, we can do whatever, right? And so that's why these kinds of things happen then in the classroom when they really should not be was a girl, actually, who got expelled from school because um, she, she was she had her hair. I think it was in an afro or something, and she was at a private school, and they said that her hair w- w- wasn't um, it was unkempt, and until she fixed her hair, she was she was expelled. Right. Or suspended. So when or you speak
1: about when you speak about that and the experience that she had at the private school, I just want to flip it. Think about the administrators in the private school. And those employees within the private school. So, how often do you think they're hiring diverse candidates who may have different hair? Mm-hmm. If they can't even tolerate the students that have, you know, expressed themselves with their hair, what does that employer-employee situation look like when they have, like, what type of teachers are they going to have that are going to display some type of diversity? So, it's, right. it's just it's extremely troubling um, when you think about. Um, how people perceive you just based on your hair right. and the Harvard p- implicit bias test has one of those you know tests I don't know if you ever used the Harvard oh, implicit the Harvard IAT bias, yeah. the that hard, the test. yes 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 and you have this opportunity when you take those tests to to see okay where your biases are right and you know and it's, it's just disturbing I well, want to back up a little absurd, and let people know it's very
0: disturbing Right. So for those of you that Mm -hmm. don't know, if you Google Harvard IAT, which stands for implicit association test, there is um, actually, this is, got done in like the 80s. They've added to it since. It was done by some Harvard researchers and they have these free online tests that will show the uh, bias that you might have in certain areas. So they're out there as a tool. You can definitely take a look at them. Um, And I know that some uh, companies actually even use them um, to just get a baseline level as to where their managers might be to then figure out from where they should take diversity and inclusion and you know unconscious bias training. So um it's out there as a tool and it's a free tool. So it's definitely something that you you can use. Um, I think even you know the reason we're having this discussion is because it is so important for us to make these changes. Like I was I actually overheard my daughters. I have three daughters. I overheard them the other day talking about Um, what it's like when people are constantly trying to touch their hair. And it came up because I had changed my youngest daughter's hair. And she was saying, oh, I hate it when, you know, No, she said something like, oh, I'm going to go to school tomorrow and everyone's going to be wanting to touch my hair. And so my older daughter said, oh, yeah, you're going to have to deal with that. It's no big deal. It's just, you know, it's annoying, but whatever. And they had this whole conversation about what to do and how to deal with it. And I thought, this is sad. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous, right? Here are my older daughters, who are here having to explain to my eight-year-old what she needs to do to get people to stop touching her hair. It's like, how about have some freaking responsibility and respect, and keep your hands to yourself? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, wow.
1: this is a I tell you, it's go
2: such... go ahead, Lisa. What you hey, it's a loaded. This is such a loaded issue, right? But it the really thing is. that occurs to me as you you're you're talking is. How much money does this take to maintain your hair? I know for me, it takes a lot of money, right? But, you know, I don't have the challenge of curly hair. I don't have, you know, I don't don't have those typical challenges. I have the challenge of every day looking at myself in the mirror and going, Oh my God, you look like crap. What are you going to do with your hair? uh you know so so and that then leads into all the things I do to bleach or to do whatever I do to my gray hair or do I let my gray hair be natural or do I whatever um <clears throat> you know so there is this cost associated I think
1: I want to take a take a pause there though Lisa what you mentioned about your gray hair yeah why why do you have to
2: change your gray hair it's because Henry is have an aging woman,
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, so I go through right. the phases where I, I say, hey, you know, this is who I am. I'm 60 years old. I have gray hair. Why not just go with the gray hair? Why not? Why do I have to fake it and pretend I'm red or brown or green? Let, 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 let's just let it be what it is. Why do I feel so compelled to do that? Uh, we wanna stay relevant. We wanna be heard. We wanna be seen. We wanna be appreciated. We wanna, we, 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 we wanna stay in the forefront. And youth you is- You wanna it, fit right?
1: in. Yeah. You wanna fit in. And so I think that's a perfect example as a white woman whose hair is turning gray of what we're, you know, what black women and women of color experience just wanting to fit in. And it's like, it's an easy route to straighten your hair so that you can just blend in and no one will touch your hair that day. Cause when my hair is Ugh. straight and it has, I have indie Remy in my hair, like Remy hair from an uh, Indian store <laughs> indie, that no one's going to say, Oh, can I touch your straight hair? Oh God. And so I know I can't go through my day without anybody, you know, being a distraction. I can go into my planning meeting without everyone taking a half an hour about, how did you get your hair that way? How's your hair? You know, Great. and we could just focus on the topic. And so that's the type of, and hopefully, like I said in another podcast, hopefully 20 years from now, we will not be talking about this. But it, this is still, now we have, you know, lace front wigs, weaves.
2: Crochet braid. We have so many different styles and methods. Let's let's talk about the cost of this. Because look, look, so it's one thing to be headed into an interview or to a um, a promotion to to get you that bump up to where you're going to achieve the goals that you have. You know, there is a cost associated with getting that role, getting that thing, moving up, going forward. So what does it cost? What does it cost? This, this well, I know for me, I know for
1: me when I get, when I get a, a sold, excuse me, sold in weave, what we call a sew-in, <laughs> um, it can range anywhere from 150 to $300. And it usually lasts, it can last about six weeks to eight weeks. But you know, some. Stylish, so
0: you have to four hundred dollars or more oh yeah, but yeah so just, but, but I would say this it's not just about this cost, right like there's like I was talking to a friend of mine, she's Latina, and she was saying she spent three hundred dollars when she goes and gets her hair done. My mouth dropped open, I was like, on what, and that's just a cut and and you know a wash, a cut, and a color, and so and you know, straightening. And so I was like, wow. So it's not just us that spend a lot of money on hair. Women in general spend a lot of freaking money on their hair. Mm-hmm. The cost comes into play. When you are ready to go for a job, you want that job. And so you say, I am going to get Gussie up. I'm going to make sure my hair looks good, right, for this job. And you get there and it doesn't look good enough, for the interviewer and you don't get that job. You have now spent $200 on that hair and that's a sunken cost. You're not getting that money back. Right? So I think that's where the cost is relevant is that if we don't like how my hair is right now, my hair is currently in, um, I guess the kinky twists is what they're called. So my hair is twisted. It's long It's down the back of mine of my, um, well, it's down my back. And that's not my natural hair. If I were to go on a job interview, you know how I would wear my hair? I would take the whole thing, put it up into a ponytail, and do a big bun. Because that would be the most professional that I could make it
2: Acceptable.
0: But if I knew I was going on a job interview, I wouldn't have gotten my hair done like this in the first place. I just wouldn't. This would not
2: be my job interview look. Hey, let's talk about why... You do what you do with your hair. There is something very specific, like, you know, the whole protective thing that people really, I didn't understand until I talked with you all, right? Like, like, like. there's actually a human, real, uh, like, this is a concern. This is my hair falling out kind of concern. Right. So
1: I I could speak to that uh, briefly, especially... um, I used to perm my hair with chemicals to make it straight, and something happened in my family. I have no idea, but it's genetic, and I'm allergic to chemicals, certain chemicals in the perms, and in my 30s, I started balding in the middle of my hair. I thought I had alopecia. And I literally could not cover up this. My hair was balding in the middle. I had a bald spot, bald in the front. And so what happens is a lot of times black women, we wear weaves and hair pieces because our hair has broken off or it's just damaged. And so as a protective style, this is just one example. There's many examples. You you go back to your natural hair, cut out the perm or you let the perm that's in your hair grow out and you braid it. So for black people, from, I speak for myself, the um, braiding and corn roll is the most natural state for black hair. It's the most protective state. It protects your hair. You can keep it moist and oiled, and then you can wear a wig on top of that. So just like in the theater when people wear a wig cap and you put this wig on top of the cap, so that's what you call a protective style. And so a lot of women you're seeing now uh, with this really long hair down to their behinds you know, that's really straight. They're wearing wigs and weaves on top of their cornrowed hair that's underneath this wig or weave. And that's what you call a protective style because it's keeping the hair safe underneath. And literally, I wore my hair like that maybe about a year or two at one time. And my hair grew about four inches. So the hair is growing underneath the wig or the weave. And so that's why it's
0: falling <laughs> off in the first place. It's because of the fact that you. <laughs> Many of us. I like, think the reason that many of us have this issue, right, where our hair is, yeah, yeah. is you know, problematic, is because we spent so many years behind the that so we had to perm yeah. our hair in order to get a job. Yeah. If you were a black woman yeah. in the eighties, you weren't getting a job if your hair wasn't straight. You just weren't. It yeah. I was. Un- exactly. This whole natural hairstyle, the fact that we even have to call it a natural hairstyle is yes, the problem. Yeah, it's just our running, hair. Right?
1: Yeah, that's just our hair.
0: So that just tells it's you... It's our natural
1: state is. of hair.
0: Right. Nobody right. was walking around in their natural state. Everyone had a no. straight perm. Because and this
1: is where you get this whole bias and image yeah. where we are in our natural state of hair, this Angela, they call it Angela Davis look, because that's when during the Black Panther movement, Blacks went back to like, look, I'm just going to be my natural and my natural state. And unfortunately, because it went against the grain of society, what did they think about Black people? Oh, now we're angry. So just because I let my hair be in its natural state, now I'm angry. Right. right. <laughs> so that intimidated people when we came to work with Afro's and natural, with our hair, which it was, this is what my hair looked like. When I wash my hair Condition it and step out the shower. It looks like an afro. It is an afro because right. it's my natural state of hair. But I can't. I can't. I can say this now, 2019. Maybe with this bill passing, I can wear my hair like that to work. But typically, you cannot wear your hair to a corporate job in its natural state as a black woman.
0: Period. Yeah. You will not. You can. You can work in the mailroom maybe, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can't even be like a housekeeper. Because they they have they have these rules. Let's go back to that. Right. Let's look at the fact that, you know, if we think about um, companies have dress codes and that's usually what they will use to try to um, to discriminate against against people who want to wear their hair differently. They'll say, oh, we have a dress code. But those dress codes usually include provisions that adversely affect people of color right? And so we have to look at those dress codes and ask, well, why are they there? Does that actually That's affect right. performance, right? If I They're am exactly. a housemaid, does it matter, or it to be housemaid, housekeeper, right? And I'm in a hotel, does it matter what my hair looks like, right? Now, nope. again, if I'm nope. working in the kitchen, everyone might have to wear a hairnet. So as long as I'm wearing a hairnet, why should you care what's under the hairnet? Right. right. So these are some things that we really have to start looking at is, you know, employers, you know, if you need to be looking at what is my policy and is it enforceable? Is this something that is unfairly discriminatory, right? Right.
1: Exactly. Perfect. Perfectly said. And from the employee side, in order to protect yourself, you need to know what is in that policy or in that handbook around how your hair should look, what you should wear, and making sure that those policies aren't discriminatory for you. Now, if you're working in an area where, you, where you're required to wear a uniform, is your hair part of the uniform? Is there, is there a hat? Is there an apron? Like, what does that look like? And so that's not discriminatory if everyone is expected to look the same. But if that's not in the policy, then it can be discrimin- most likely is discriminatory if they're asking you to change your hair. And this, you know, our Latina. One of my biggest in, in my HR world, um, I had a Latina woman. Uh, she came to me, and she was really upset that she wouldn't get a job because her hair was too curly. I almost didn't believe her. I thought her hair was gorgeous. I literally would have bought her hair at the store, like in a pack, you know, a <laughs> pack <kind> of hair. <laughs> I was like, "That I'm trying to do wet wavy like you. Like that's gorgeous." Like, no, um, I was told my hair is too thick and it's too wild is too wild and it won't take me seriously what that was a mind opening thing for me this was just two years ago well because i couldn't believe it
0: right but it goes back to to the the image that we have in our head of people right so i'm about to get really stereotypical right now so please don't i don't believe anything i'm about to say but (laughs) i've heard it and i see it and I want you to envision this as I say this. So what she's, what she's experiencing is something I can't experience because I'm a black woman, right? She's a Latina woman. When you look at the stereotypical sexy Latina on TV, what do they look like? They're in a tight skirt, high heels, the, the, the skirt is short, their hair is long and flowing and curly and, and right? So if you look like that, they're not going to take you seriously. If you're a and white really woman, strange, right? Too. Right. If if you're if you're a white woman, same thing. If you look like, you know, somebody who could be considered let's say a call girl or something like that, right? Or they're like they're just a really sexy busty kind of person, that's a stereotype. And if you just happen to naturally look like that, you spend your entire life fighting against that stereotype right? You're probably wearing dowdy clothes, flat shoes, and have your hair in a bun because you're just tired of the stereotype. And so that's like stereotypes come in all kinds of packages. And that's what I'm
2: saying. Well, well, so how much of this this conversation, uh, you know, there's a piece of it that relates to like social trends, right? So hairstyles of the day. And so you see all this conforming to certain kinds of styles like you know just think of oprah and all of the styles oprah has had over the years right she's the black Uh, one i'm so glad
1: you mentioned oprah because say say more say more yeah so because before oprah one of the things i loved about oprah that i remember the most about her is that she freed black women from this Opportunity, opportunity to not wear braids in the workplace. She made it okay for black women to wear braids in the workplace. She did a whole story on it and it was her. She changed She changed the landscape, Oprah. And she said between uh, between uh, natural hair, braids, and slits. I remember she did another story on, why do we have to wear slips under our dresses? <laughs> and, and she really did. I never forget that. I wish I had the, you know, article in front of me of when Oprah changed how we can show up in a workplace. But it was that, it was her influence in the media that made that change and said, oh, black women can wear braids because they felt comfortable with Oprah.
0: Right. But that also so goes back to it. role modeling, right? Role modeling. Mm-hmm. When there aren't enough of us in the workplace, right, then we don't have role models to see that. And when you're a role model in the workplace, but you still conform. So if I'm only one of two Black women and both of the Black women both perm their hair straight, then guess what? If I'm the, the, the new Black woman comes in and goes, oh, I guess in order to fit in here as a Black woman, guess what? I have to perm my hair straight.
1: Well, this one thing I want to say, which I hope is a takeaway, because I always want to have a good takeaway, but I'm going to try to summarize this really simple. So, when I moved to South Carolina and I had no real desire to work, I was kind of just looking to restart my career and re- and reinvent myself. I cut all of my hair off. My hair was about a half half of an inch long, and when I started interviewing for jobs, I really truly if somebody hired me or didn't hire me and when I came into that job interview I was confident with my half an inch of hair and let me tell you I didn't think I was going to get the job but I did I got it on the first interview I became the first black HR manager only one only black person in on the executive team and that was the so my confidence got me the job because I was like I don't care if you like my hair or not so that was one part I wanted to take away the second part was all of the half of the plant was black and half was white. Most of the black women there, they would pull me to the side and ask me what I was doing, why was my hair nappy? And where was I gonna straighten my hair and what was I thinking? <laughs> and
2: right, they were so
1: upset. Well, because and they're I so conditioned. They're they thinking. were so conditioned. But yep, let me just say last part, right, a few right, months later they NASA. Yeah, they were upsetting, yeah, they were upsetting them. Few months, A few months later, these same women. Be like, guess what? I'm going natural, too. Be like, guess what? I'm going natural, too. Look at me. To this day, they're still my friends on Facebook. Look at my hair. I went natural. Okay? Uh, yes. so, I don't know how uh, else to describe that phenomenon. The, it's called- I, So and That's so, what has to happen.
2: I have this, like, for, for me... There's a specific specific experience in my life. um, What happened when I got cancer? My hair fell out. My hair grew back. Um, I I had like completely straight hair for all my life, which I loved. I could do anything that I wanted with. And I know that that is an irritation for many people with curly hair. Okay, so... So, so my hair grows back, and it is this untamable, this this icky, weird thing that I that I don't know how to deal with. It's now also gray, right? And 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 and, and so what do I what do I do with that? How do I be in the world um, with this, this 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 new me? I'm sorry.
0: That's Okay. Um, so I think maybe what we're talking about is you're saying you got cancer, your hair fell out, who you were changed, right? So you had spent your whole life being able to go into a workplace and, or change your hair and do whatever based upon the image you had in front of you, right? But now you had a whole new image. So what was even harder, and there's lots of women who go through this, right? Breast cancer, all kinds of cancers, their hair falls out. They have to do this twice. You first spend half your life trying to figure out how to fit in in the world as a fill in the blank, redhead, curly hair, you know, braids, right? whatever. And then it falls out and comes back completely different. Now you got to start that process all over again. Who wants to do that? So I think the point there is it shouldn't be up to a person to have to keep trying to conform, right? It should be up to you should just be able to be who you are. And so I want to go back to your original question you asked, which was, you know, when have you felt like when have you looked at a company and said, oh, I want to work there because I feel like I can be myself. And I don't know that I have had that. I've always looked at the company and said, well, what do I need to do to get the job? What do I need to do to fit in? And that's the thing we teach people to do, right? Uh, in, In our roles, our various roles in helping people to get jobs, look at their resumes, to be confident in their coaching, right? Or even if we're hiring, we coach people to look at the company and figure out what their values are, et cetera, et cetera, and then make sure it aligns with yours. But you're still looking at what do you, the individual, have to do? What part of you do you have to change in order to be accepted
2: in this environment? Yeah, and that is what is messed up about the whole equation because we are, we're trying, I, I'm always saying, let's stop conforming to the dominant norms, the patriarchal norms, and, and get the workplace to conform to you. Right. So what's our
0: takeaway here? Right. Like, let's look at it from an employee standpoint. If you are an individual contributor in an organization, what are they taking away from this conversation? I think, you know, what we're what we're saying is they have to know their rights. Right. They need to know what's in their dress code. They need to have an understanding before they take on a job. Um, No, there isn't going to be a job that's going to be out there that is exactly for them unless they make it themselves, right? Unless they're a business owner. So they do have to do the research and go into an organization and look at how people address and what they look like in order to say to myself, can I see myself working here, right? Um, But the other part of that is doing maybe kind of what Philae did, which is once you've been within the company for a while and you've been there, maybe you have the opportunity to change. Maybe you couldn't be your authentic self when you first started, but maybe you've been there for three years and now you can, right? And so maybe you should. Maybe you should start because if you start, that will build a trend and it will let other people be their authentic self as well.
2: Yeah, so you should have changed your hair to you should have changed your mind, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, changing the mindset. You got
1: to change your mindset. And I mean, you have to, there's this, I don't know, this Netflix show, I I don't know if I mentioned it, Napoli Ever After, with Sanaya Lapin. I would recommend anyone listening to watch that and just how she had to make the adjustment to her long flowing weaves to being her natural Napoli self. Some people don't like the word nappy. I think I like the word curly better for the record. But, Anyhow. Well, because Nappy has a negative
0: connotation, but
1: yeah. Yeah. But watch the <laughs> well, movie. It's called <laughs> Natalie Ever After. It's on Netflix. And um, to Nihilate then, while doing the movie, went through her own personal journey. Because yeah. as an actress, she had to have what? Long flowing hair. And she went completely bald. Like, this is how I feel about all of you. It's <laughs> yeah. so beautiful. And it's just all about how you carry that when you're bald and that and guess what being bald can apply to any woman who is struggling with hair loss, struggling with cancer or any other illness um or who just wants to do well be bald. <laughs> right. Or just love the way they
0: look when they're bald.
1: Look at her. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think so. if, you're in a, if you're a manager within an organization and you actually do have the ability, you are hiring, right? You need to stop and think. You need to, to, to somebody comes in and they've got dreads. The thing I always hear is, oh, well, dreads are dirty and smelly. You know what? Yeah. Oh, wow. So please, please check yourself, Right. And understand that dreads are beautiful. It's just another form of a hairstyle. And before you discriminate against somebody for having dreads or braids or a twist out or red hair or short spiky hair or whatever the hell you feel like discriminating against today, let's not. Right. Let's stop and say, can this person do the job that we would be hiring them to do? And if so, is their hair going to prevent them from doing it? So I do know in some instances I've seen in a kitchen, they'll say, well, if your hair is really long. Right. You have to tie it up. You've got to be able to put it up in a bun. You've got to be able to get it under a hairnet because, no, we don't want food in hair. Right. None of us want that. So that affects performance. We get that. So, but unless her hair is going to affect performance, it shouldn't even be something that comes into play when we're having those discussions. And then I the final right. part is: what do we do if you are a actually can affect policy within the organization? If you're in the executive team, you're in HR, right? What's your role in this? Your role is to look at your policies, go back and reread them because Thiele can tell you how many times your HR your handbooks are outdated. Right. They need revisions. Your power right. revising. There's a whole new legislation that has just hit the books. So you need to go back and look at, do we have a dress code? Do we need a dress code? Should we have a dress code? Maybe we need to get rid of it. <laughs> right. Like, why is this here? Right. And who's enforcing it? Is it being arbitrarily enforced by different departments?
2: Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Right. Damn it! The last, <laughs> the, the last. You know, it's like, can we please show up and be ourselves? Can we please just get to the business of work yes. and stop all right. this bullshit about you know how we need to conform and how we need to you know behave in order to be accepted by the quote wild, wider culture? Right. Can we just stop this.
0: That's a, you know, on that note, I will just say Thiele, Lisa, and I, we're here. We are sharing our learning and our experiences with you. And we've provided you with some go-to action items. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you will like us, share us, and listen in next time. Thiele, Lisa, and I are here sharing our learning and experiences with you, and we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll share our podcast and listen in next time.
1: You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Thiele Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.